Hey, thanks for tuning in. The audio presented to you is copyrighted by Oak Ridge Baptist Church. For anybody who's had children, you know that children can be knuckleheads. Theoretically, I don't know. They do dumb things. Some of y'all got adult children. They're still doing dumb things. Some of y'all's adult children are in the room today, and y'all can look at them, but don't do that later. (laughs) And when our children do dumb things, you know what we do? Good parents discipline them. Bad parents give them a star or a cookie. Good parents discipline their children, and God is a good parent. He cares about our heart. He cares about our character. From the moment that we are saved, he is in the process of transforming us and renewing us. We call this sanctification. It's the process whereby God changes us more and more, day by day, into the image and the likeness of his son, Jesus. And his tool for doing that is discipline. The discipline of the Lord is what knocks off all those pointy edges and files down everything that's rough, that sands and shapes and forms us into something that reflects glory on him. David knows this. David's known this his entire life. David has been under the loving discipline of God since he was a small child. So many of his psalms talk about the discipline of God, but probably the best place for us to go to understand what this looks like, especially for New Testament Christians, is Hebrews. In Hebrews 12, Beginning in verse 5, the author says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Now this is quoting from the book of Proverbs. He's saying, when you feel the hand of God on you, don't despise that. That is God's love. May not feel like love, but it is his love. When your parents would punish you because you didn't make your bed or you didn't do your chores, or maybe you stole a road sign and lit it on fire, whatever you did, when they punished you for that, it wasn't because they didn't love you. It was because they wanted you to be better than you were. Because they wanted you to be functional in society. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, David is writing his psalm a thousand years before those words were written, but the principle is still the same. There is a difference between the unyielding wrath of the Almighty God, the infinite judge of the universe, and the loving discipline of our Heavenly Father. Unbelievers get his wrath, we get his discipline. 
God doesn't punish his people in anger. He disciplines them in love. So what does that look like? God cares about our character, and this means that often our actions will have unpleasant consequences. Theologians organize God's discipline in two different ways. Sometimes you make a boneheaded decision and God allows you to reap the consequences of that decision. That is God's corrective discipline. That's like when your mom used to beat you with a sandal. Okay, that's corrective discipline. You light the carpet on fire, she comes over and hits you with a chancla. She's correcting your behavior. God's corrective discipline is applied to us because of the continued rebellion towards the Holy Spirit. We see this in 1 Peter 4 where Peter makes it clear that some believers suffer for the sake of righteousness and some suffer because of their sin. We see this in 1 Corinthians 11 where members of the early church died because they took communion in the wrong way. The best example of this is from David's life where David committed adultery, had a man killed, and God disciplined him by taking the life of his son. That was the discipline of God. It was not his wrath. Discipline can be corrective, but discipline can also be instructive. See, sometimes bad things happen to us, and we didn't do anything. Sometimes bad stuff just happens. Two years ago, I was minding my own business, driving along in a truck that I loved almost as much as my family. Almost as much as my family. A lady pulled out, hit me, and totaled my truck. The only bad thing I was doing was driving in San Antonio in the rain. That's God's corrective discipline. God was teaching me that I love that truck too much. God can take things from us that we don't want to lose. He can do things to us to improve our character. He can hone us in painful ways for his glory. Not all bad things happen to you because you did something wrong, but all bad things happen because God allowed them in his sovereignty, for his glory. God disciplines his children in love, and sometimes that discipline is corrective, and sometimes that discipline is instructive. But one of the things that we find from David is, whether it's instructive or corrective, a lot of times that discipline is painful. Whether it's instructive or corrective, the Lord's discipline is painful because it is hard to let go of the sin of the world. We got to pry our fingers off the idols that we worship. We have to be dragged away from the altars that we worship false gods to. And it's painful. So often... In the Psalms, David isn't shy about describing the problems that he has, and so we read his long tale of woe in the center part of this Psalm. The first part is physical ailments. What does he say? He says, there's no soundness in my flesh. 
because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. This is the same language he's used several times. We have this, this image of him just being racked all throughout his body. There is no completeness in him. That, that word soundness means wholeness or completeness. It's not just an illness. It's not just allergies. It's, it's this bodily feeling that things aren't right. It's that feeling you have. When relationships are broken or there's conflict in your life, there's this deep-seated pain inside of you. It is an emotional pain that's a physical pain. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. David's really clear. It's, it's not anybody else's fault but his own. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day I go about mourning for my sides are filled with burning and there's no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed and I groan because of the tumult in my heart. His bones hurt. His wounds stink. He's physically weak feeble and crushed. And yet David knows everything that happened to him is the result of his sin. See, the Lord's discipline will often affect our emotional, our physical health, sorry. God's discipline will often affect our physical health. And, and this takes a little bit of explaining to us now because we live in a culture that glorifies victimhood. We live in a culture that will tell you that nothing is your fault. It's not your fault. Saw a sign, you go down I-10, you'll see a sign on the side there as you're driving along that says, addiction is not a character fault. It's a sickness. It's not a moral problem. It's an impersonal force that affects you. Well, I'm sorry. Unless somebody sticks a crack pipe in your mouth and makes you smoke it, smoking crack is your choice. I never met a, a person who was forced to smoke weed. Doesn't happen. I went through the D.A.R.E. program. Growing up, I thought that people were going to try to force drugs on me. Like, come on here, take some drugs. Nobody forces drugs on you. Everybody goes takes drugs. They take drugs willingly. I've told you all this before. I'm a smoker. I don't smoke right now. I haven't smoked in 15 years. But every day I, grow, every day I wake up, I want a cigarette. Nobody made me smoke. I sat in the back of a vehicle outside of Fallujah. Somebody offered me a cigarette. I took it and smoked it. It was like, oh, that's why people smoke. I'm not a victim. I've made a sinful choice. We live in a world that wants to take away the consequences of our choices to reduce you to victimhood so that nobody has to feel bad about the things that happen to them. Brothers and sisters, so often the physical ailments that we have are tied to our choices. Listen to me. I like cake. I like it a lot. I'm gluten intolerant. If I eat enough cake, I have to go to the emergency room. 
This morning, my wife brought me a bagel with cream cheese and lox. And like a fool, I ate it. Do you know why? Because I lack willpower. I made a choice. And I will suffer the consequences all day for that choice. You make enough of those kind of choices, you die of a heart attack. Or diabetes. Or liver failure. Or heart failure. If that happens, you're not a victim. You made choices. And so often, the physical ailments that we, in, that we have are because of the choices that we made. But we got to be careful. Because while all sickness and physical suffering are the result of sin, not all sickness is the result of our personal sin. Some of y'all got cancer. That's not the result of a personal sin. That's the result of sin in general. Adam and Eve sinned. The world fell apart, so we get cancer and we die. That's how that works. And yet, despite all of that, God still allows it to happen. Well, why? Because in his glory and in his mercy, he uses cancer and heart disease and diabetes and physical death all of those things as a tool of discipline to change us and shape us and affect us. We can't be like the Jews at the time of Jesus who pointed to every physical ailment, pointed to the man who was born blind and said, oh, your parents must have sinned. No. The Lord disciplines us. Sometimes it's corrective discipline. Sometimes it's instructive discipline. Sometimes that discipline affects our relationships too. Psalm 39, 9 through 11, Jesus, or David, not Jesus, I mean, sort of Jesus, he speaks all scripture, but David says, O Lord, all my, belong, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me in the light of my eyes. It also has gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague and my nearest kin stand far off. See, David isn't just suffering in his body. His heart is broken. His relationships have been shattered. Physical pain is hard. Oh, but the pain of a broken heart, that can last for a long time. His heart is broken. His friendships are broken. His family has abandoned him. I want you to think about where David is right now. More than likely, this psalm is written by David while he's on the run from his son Absalom. His son is trying to kill him. All of his friends have abandoned him. Everybody he thought he could rely on is scheming against him. I don't know about you, but I've felt some betrayal in my life. And it gets to you. Broken relationships can be incredibly painful. But what we have to understand is that sometimes in his desire to change our hearts, the Lord disciplines us, and his discipline affects the relationships that we have with our friends and our family. Sometimes the Lord's discipline is applied to our relationships. Now listen. Listen. The Lord's discipline can affect our relationships 
when our sin hurts people. Our sin affects the people around us. And that seems unjust, right? Why would God allow my sin, my choices, to affect my family, my children, my friends, my community? It should be just between me and God. I messed it up, God. You punish me. But that's not how it works. See, we are tied into, we are woven into a community. And every action that you take affects the people around you. There are no personal, purely personal actions. There are no quiet, silent, victimless sins. Everything we do is tied to the people around us in some way. From the things we buy, to the things that we watch, to the actions that we take, all of them in some way affect everyone around us. Like ripples in a spider web. Little vibrations carrying out to the very edge. When we sin, our sin reverberates through the lives around us, ripping and tearing and damaging everything it touches. One of the hard parts of being a pastor is I see everybody's baggage. I get to see everybody on their worst day. I, I get to see all the brokenness in people's lives. And, and almost more painfully, I get to see how everybody's brokenness affects everybody else's brokenness. I get to see how parents' sins affect their children and how children's sins affect their parents. And the longer I do this job, the more aware I become that all sin is universally destructive all the time. And so sometimes the damage that you have in the relationships in your life, sometimes the, the crisis oftentimes are caused by your own sin. Generational sin rippling down. Sometimes, however, the brokenness has nothing to do with your sin. Sometimes God is using his discipline to prune your relationships. Sometimes God decides that toxic people need to be cut out of your life. Ungodly relationships need to be broken. Unhelpful friendships need to stop. Sometimes God's uses, God uses his, his instructive discipline to shape you and prune away relationships that are bad for you. God's discipline can affect our, our physical bodies. It can affect our relationships with the people around us. And often it will also involve our enemies. This is especially true with David. David describes in the next section how God's perfect discipline has left him in the hands of his enemies. So often we think, God, if I'm in your will, then no one should be able to harm me and nobody should be able to hurt me. And yet, in his goodness and in his love, sometimes God hands us over to our enemies for the purposes of his discipline. David says, those who seek my life lay their snares. 
Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But my foes are vigorous. They are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. This is a man who has been given amazing victories over seemingly insurmountable odds, and now he's reduced to being a fugitive. God is using his enemies to scourge him, to beat him, to change him. Sometimes in his desire to perfect our character, the Lord will turn his children over to their enemies for a time. If I'm honest, kind of feels that way for us today. Kind of feels that way for the church. Feels like no matter what we do, we can't make any traction. You ever felt that way? Last 20 years feels like we've had our teeth kicked in. There's not a, there's not a court case that we have tried to win that's gone our way. We've lost on everything. We've been driven out of the schools and driven out of the public spaces. We are the stock joke in every stand-up comic, in every sitcom. We have gone from loss to loss to loss all throughout our country. Why? Because the Lord's hand of discipline is on us. Because he's shaping us and changing us as a people. Because he is using the enemies of God as a lash to purify his church. His church. 